0: Well, it may not be morning for you, but it definitely is for me because I am getting ready to head to Oak in Oklahoma City, and that time zone is not my time zone, so I'm working to get up just a little bit earlier because I am lucky enough to have the coveted 8 a.m. session time, so I want to make sure that I'm used to getting up and energized and talking to all of my music besties about all of the things I love, but that's not the important part of this episode, obviously this episode is definitely inspired by the trip i'm about to take to the oak conference to the organization of american kodai teachers conference and so i am going to talk all about kodai Now, there's not enough time in the world to talk about Kodai and all of the detail and nuance that goes into it, but this episode is meant to give you an intro, you know, according to Anne, obviously. I'm going to talk a little bit about my interpretations for what Kodai-inspired teaching looks like. I'm going to bust a couple myths, and I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what training looks like. So dive right in, get that cup of coffee, especially if it's 5.30 a.m. where you are, and let's dive into it. Hey party people, my name is Anne Molesky and I'm the music teacher and curriculum designer behind AnnaKrusik.com. I'm all about making your teaching life less stressful so you can take a breath and love each and every moment you spend making music with kids. This podcast is all about discovering your most purposeful, joyful, and sequential music teacher heart through meaningful conversations and a little teacher talk. So grab a cup of coffee and kick up your feet because it's time for the AnnaKrusik Podcast. So before we dive into the episode, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about how I'm doing this podcast. So when I think about a podcast episode, I usually just kind of get inspired when I'm going for a run or just have a little bit of downtime, and I write bullet points about what I want to talk about, and that's usually it. I mean, I jump right in and I start talking to you literally as if I was talking to a friend over coffee. So um, I really, really hope that this feels conversational because honestly, for me, it is. And I'm just like looking at my phone right now and all the little sound bars going up and down. And I don't want to just read to you because if I'm going to write something out, I might as well put it in a blog post or send it to you in a newsletter, which if you haven't checked out either of those, you can at AnnaKrussik.com. And I wasn't trying to set something up to plug. I'm honestly just wanting to tell you that like I am making this super conversational because I want it to feel real and authentic. And I leave my ums in and when I kind of lose some of my consonants because I'm getting excited and talking really fast, which happens a lot. Um, I just leave that stuff in because it's real. And if you talk to me in real life and those of you who have, you know, it's exactly what I do. So um, I just wanted to say that. So I hope that you have been enjoying this. I've gotten a lot of really positive messages. And like I've said on Instagram and on Facebook, I love the positive feedback, but honestly and truly, if you have some things that you would love to hear, some things you'd like to see a little bit different or hear a little bit different, rather, I want to bring you what you need. So Without further ado, let's talk a little bit about Kodai. So the very first thing I want to share with you is what I kind of call my Kodai elevator spiel. And the first year that I taught Kodai levels when I was teaching pedagogy for the first time, I had my students in all three levels create an elevator spiel. And the reason why is because there are lots of music teachers who have preconceived notions about Kodai-inspired teaching, or there's another teacher on your campus who maybe has never heard of Kodai-inspired teaching. And um, you want to be able to quickly tell somebody what it is, why you do it, and kind of like give them the feeling of importance in a short amount of time. So here's mine, and it's super short, but I'm gonna explain parts of it. My elevator spiel is this. Kodai-inspired teaching is an active music-making approach that fosters musical fluency and promotes lifelong independent musicianship. I'm going to say that again, and I'm going to emphasize a couple words. Kodai-inspired teaching is an active music-making approach that fosters musical fluency and promotes lifelong independent musicianship. So I have a little asterisk next to fluency and then another one next to independent musicianship, but first I want to talk about active music-making. This may or may not be a term that you are familiar with, and I'm actually going to talk about it in the next episode, but active music-making, the short version, refers to students actively making music. In other words, they're not just sitting and singing from a book. So Kodai inspired teaching is not just sitting and singing. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. So the first asterisk that I actually have written when I read this sentence here is next to musical fluency. And fluency is different than literacy because literacy maybe only applies to reading and writing music. And fluency is all about encompassing things like improv and composition, right? So we are not just teaching students to read and write music. We're teaching students to be fluent within that language, to be able to be active participants, to be able to speak it, to be able to understand it. And um, we're going to get into that in a little bit here in a minute too. So the musical language drives the sequence, which we'll talk about, and is not dictated by a student or a teacher but the natural folk repertoire of a subculture. And I say subculture because in the United States, there are very different cultures within this country. Like our country is huge, right? Like a lot of times you'll find a folksong on from Europe or Asia or Africa or another continent. And you're like, oh, it's this this very specific like Scottish folksong on or French folks on. It's really hard to be like, oh, this is an American folk song. Like, yes, we have American folk songs, but we need to be more specific than that, right? Like, where I live right now, I have. Very, very few African American students. I have lots of students who are Russian immigrants. So whenever we play Sasha, they go insane. (laughs) They hear the music and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this is Russian!" And I had never gotten that experience when I had played Sasha in my classroom before. Like I play it everywhere, right? Because kids don't need to just hear their music; they need to be exposed to other musics as well, which is a whole other podcast episode. And I say that every episode, just because. There's so many things we could talk about. But anyway, um, I'd never gotten that response before when I had played Sasha. And so it's really important that you do bring in that natural folk repertoire of a subculture. So I'm going to read my statement again because I just did a lot of talking. So Kodai-inspired teaching is an active music-making approach that fosters musical fluency and promotes lifelong independent musicianship. So musicianship does not mean that you can go be a professional opera singer or a professional orchestral musician. Musicianship implies that students who are participants within this model are active music makers, right? They're supporters, they're appreciators, they're understanders, and they're culture bearers. So Musicianship does not have to mean like I am training children to be professional musicians. It's actually really not that, right? Like if you listen to my story and the second episode, you know that I kind of went down that professional musicianship route and I'm not there. And yes, I'm a music educator, but not everyone's going to be a musician or a music educator. As a matter of fact, most people are not. And you might be the only music teacher that your children ever have in their entire life. So by teaching them to be active music makers, supporters, appreciators, understanders, and culture bearers, you're teaching them to be musicians and have musicianship within the context of their lives. So that's my sort of, not personal statement, but my elevator spiel, right? Like if I need just a one sentence, Like quick, here's what Kodai Inspired Teaching is. I'm going to say Kodai Inspired Teaching is an active music making approach that fosters musical fluency and promotes lifelong independent musicianship. And the independent portion is important too, right? I mean, I think that it's really, really great that kids are always making music together. It's a community thing. But also you want to have children and adults later on in life who are really, really, fluent and musicians within their own right, within that context that I just explained independently, like not because somebody's making them do it in music class, right? So I think that that is a really important piece as well. Okay, so moving on. If you are not familiar with who Zoltan Kodai was, if he was not focused on in your music history courses, I'm just going to give you like a quick, like not super detailed at all of who he was. So Zoltan Kodai was a Hungarian composer and music educator. And it was really his goal within this context of Kodai Inspired Teaching, obviously, because it has his name, was to create a musically literate country, right? Like he was part of this country who was just like blasted apart from war. And it was a little bit of a nationalistic movement. And so it was his goal to create this musically literate country. And as part of that, him and his homeboy, Bella Bartok, they collected all of these folk songs across Hungary. They knew that there was all this great folk music, this music of the people, not people in a concert hall, right? People who were Out in the country singing, and they went and they recorded all of this folk music, and then they analyzed it, and then they indexed it. And from that index, they created a sequence for music education. He created a sequence for music education. And the way that he did that was in analyzing all of the music, he found the most primal part of the music that he had heard, like the simplest part, right? Like he went all the way down to like the very, very beginnings. And that's kind of where we got like So Me, and Ta and Titi, right? So when you think about people who are coming up with a sequence, the idea is that we are doing things inspired by Zoldan Kodai. So we take our repertoire and then we go down to the most primal um, elements of music, which... In America, you know, there's, again, another podcast episode, there might be a little bit of um, headbutting about which melodic elements should come first, but I think widely everyone pretty much agrees that Ta and TT should be first, although they won't agree on what to call them with rhythmic syllables, but that's fine. Um... Although there are people who also think that you should do duple and triple meter, excuse me, you should do like two, four, and six, eight simultaneously. Um, That's another podcast episode too. Anywho, the point is, isn't that Kodai and Bartok collected this great music of the people, the folk repertoire, and from that, Kodai derived a sequence. And it was really important for him to use the folk material because, like I said, it was sort of a nationalistic movement and he wanted to create this musical mother tongue. So it all comes back to really being a culture bearer, to be um, a musician that has like your identity with it. And I think that that's a really, really beautiful part of this approach. I wanna say one thing too, and I know I'm jumping around, so like I said, I just have bullet points, so I hope my my speaking is linear, um, enough for you to follow anyway. But the reason that a lot of people say Kodai-inspired teaching, and I'm about to get into this, is because it is not a method, and that is myth number one. So Kodai-inspired teaching is not a method. I think that it can be a little bit misleading because we have textbooks like the Lois Toxie books that say the Kodai method on them. And I think the reason that it's easy to use that terminology is because for most Kodai-inspired teachers, there is a very clear sequence. Like if you look at all of the repertoire that is most commonly used in an elementary music classroom, and I'm obviously talking about folk materials that belong to our, you know, overarching American culture right now, there is a very clear sequence of concepts, but also for Kodai teachers, there is a very clear way or an obvious way or the most common way to approach teaching these concepts. So while early on when people were maybe like getting used to this, like, like the first time you start anything, right? Like the first time you do something, you watch somebody, you want a list of steps to do it. Um, and then as you move things will kind of like turn into you your product. So I think early on it was like here's the method, here's what Kodai teaching looks like. And now as time has gone on, it's evolved a little bit more. And this podcast is not endorsed by Oak, so, so don't take anything that I'm saying as like the absolute definitive in Kodai. However, I've spent a lot of time within this approach. I've had lots of conversations with people who have made it their life's work, and I think I have a pretty good idea of what it looks like and how it functions in our country here. So that's the first myth. It's it's not a method. It's not always a step-by-step, do this and then do that formula. If you even look at training programs across the country, and I've taught at a different training program than I actually went through myself, which I think was very, very good for me in a lot of different ways. But their sequence wasn't drastically different, but there were some things that were different, and the rhythm system was different, and there were lots of different um, not permutations, but different interpretations, I guess, of what Kodai inspired teaching looks like. But the essence was the same. The essence was the same. It was still this, um, you know, the sequential, this prepare present practice model that you often hear of in Kodai inspired teaching because yes that's that's like the core of what we do in terms of pedagogical implications but there were variations within that. So so even though it does appear that to be rigid it really really is not. If you pick up like American methodology you see that like if you have not ever taught a Kodai lesson before they have all of these wonderful resources to get you going but it never says like this is the only way to do it and I really think that any Kodai teacher that you would talk to any teacher who identifies themselves as a Kodai inspired teacher would say oh like it doesn't have to be just this one way but there are some important elements that are part of Kodai-inspired teaching, but it's not so rigid that there's not room to be an individual. It lives and breathes in a classroom. It lives and breathes with the educator who is using it because it has your voice, right? It has, it has your voice when you take it on and you make it your own. So myth number two is that Kodai teaching is only singing. So if you are looking at a Kodai classroom and you see a lot of singing, my sincere hope and my expectation is not that students would just be sitting and singing with hand signs. And I think that a lot of times people think this is the way it is (laughs) because an important element of training is our musicianship element. So if you were to go to an Okendoris Kodai training program, one of your classes would be musicianship. And it's like the best RL theory class you've ever had in your life that you wish you would have had in undergrad because you'll finally understand RL theory. Or at least that's how I felt. (laughs) So, But a lot of it is analysis. A lot of it is singing with hand signs. A lot of it is kind of head work, for lack of a better term. I just made that up. But like head work in terms of like you're thinking about what this music sounds like, like the patterns, and then you're singing because code, I believe singing is your first instrument, right? And so it's your first and best instrument. And so that's the place that we begin because you know your voice inside and out. And so if you can translate what's going on in your brain and the things that you're learning in your brain to your voice, then that's kind of the gateway to everything else. So, just because singing is the first instrument does not mean it's the only instrument. When I went to the Kodai Institute with a group of teachers in Ketchkemet, there's pictures, there's pictures of Kodai and students with barred instruments. But it's not like they were like locked in a room singing with hand signs, which I think some people maybe think. That sounds so horrible. But it's true. It's, that's not at all what it is. Um, and if you looked in an American Kodai classroom or any country's Kodai classroom today, I think that you would see children singing, but you would see them singing and playing. You would see them up and doing play parties, which is basically like a dance or a game. You would see them actively making music and singing. So it's not just choir, like I, I know that also like choir is a big component of Kodai training because, you know, it's kind of a culmination of all of the things that you're learning and you come together and you create this beautiful musical experience so that you can see what would be possible if everybody had this great um, focused music education philosophy in their lives. So Kodai Inspired Teaching is not only singing. <laughs> it's not just choir. But the important thing to remember is that your voice is your first instrument. And as I said, that's kind of like the gateway to everything else. Okay, the last um, myth about Kodai is maybe not as like, predominant as the first two. So I think that there's a lot of people who maybe don't have Kodai experience who think that it's a method or that it's only singing. The last one is honestly kind of what I thought before I was a part of it. So as before I was a part of the philosophy, before I kind of embraced this as the core value of my teaching. Um, so the third myth is that it's only for reading and writing music. And I think that this kind of stems from the idea that children just sit and sing with hand signs, but it's really not the case. Um, Kids who are part of a Kodai inspired classroom are obviously reading and writing music because if you look at the present, or excuse me, the prepare, present, practice model, when we're preparing something, they're getting this aural experience. They're getting this visual experience with iconic representation. Um, Arl is obviously singing within the context of, of a singing game, not with solfa syllables, just singing a song and getting it within your musical fluency before you really have it named. The visual is like an iconic representation of a rhythm or um, a melodic contour. And then kinesthetic is like using a body ladder or a clapping or using body percussion. And so from using that our visual and kinesthetic prep, you are then led to like a discovery moment or the present moment, where a lot of times it is presented within like a literacy component. Because yes, you want kids to look at it, see what it looks like, just like you would with letters or words in any other language. You want them to look at it and have this literacy component really ingrained when they are um, when they are learning exactly what something is, when they are learning what the theoretical constructs of an element are. However it doesn't stop there. And I think that that's where people get trapped. So after you've prepared something and then when you name it or when you have your children discover it, you don't just practice that discovery moment. You don't just practice like reading and writing it just the way that you presented it. You go on to make sure that they have that musical fluency. You go on to make sure that they are not just reading and writing. And that's why I had the asterisk right next to um, Kodai teaching Foster's musical fluency, because I don't want anybody to think that understanding a musical language is just reading and writing. I mean, like, wouldn't that be the weirdest world on the planet if we all walked around with like post-it notes and flare pens, and were, like writing and reading what we were saying? I mean, I wouldn't talk nearly as much, obviously. But um, but that's not what language is. Language is being able to jump up and talk when you're inspired to do it. And it's to be able to sit down and write or be able to have a bullet list and just talk on a podcast, right? I mean, it's being able to move and groove within that language. So that's where the improvisation and composition piece comes in. So I think that it's really, really essential to understand that although the literacy component might be like the finite moment that kids are discovering or being presented a concept or some Kodite teachers use the terminology make conscious, that's really popular in a lot of texts, um, but that does not mean that that's where we stop. That's actually kind of just the beginning of this new Not new adventure, that sounds so hokey, but I mean, honestly, like this new experience, this new really exciting experience where they're like, oh my gosh, I know exactly what this is. Now I'm gonna use it to do all of this cool stuff. So I've talked to you all about what Kodai is not. And I gave you my quick little elevator spiel, and I'm gonna repeat it for like the 8 millionth time now that I've gone through all of those things about what Kodai is not, because I wanna leave you with the positive. I wanna leave you with what Kodai-inspired teaching is. So my little elevator speech is Kodai-inspired teaching is an active music-making approach that fosters musical fluency and promotes lifelong independent musicianship. And remember how I defined the terms fluency and musicianship. It's not just what you would think of at face value. Fluency, in terms of somebody who can move within the language and improv and composition and all that good stuff. And then lifelong independent musicianship, not necessarily as a professional musician, right? We want the music makers, the supporters, the appreciators, the understanders, and the culture bearers. So, Kodai inspired teaching is a structure for sure. I like structure, I like a roadmap. Um, within which, you know, you can inflect your own personality and your own teaching style, but still having, get ready, a purposeful and sequential teaching strategy. Do, do you notice a trend? <laughs> so you have these resources that, that you can build a beautiful sequence with right? Like when you go through your Kodai training, you take a folk materials course to look at these materials and analyze them and figure out what your sequence should look like and where they fit in. And there's there's fluidity there. It's fluid. And there's opportunity for joy. There's opportunity to put in what you love, what your students love, what, what they are going to be drawn to, what they can hold on to. And there's room for other pedagogical influences. Just because you have this structure, just because you are using singing first does not mean that you can't take this really, really great speech piece and use it as a preparation activity and then derive that rhythm. But the important thing to remember is that you really want to include materials that are from a student's culture. You don't want things that you write or that your students create to take the place of using quality materials. Because those quality materials are really going to help students understand their culture, to be participants within their musical culture. And then we're gonna use that as a vehicle to appreciate art music someday. And, you know, I think the reason that our orchestras are dying and that we don't have, you know, um, jobs for orchestral musicians and we don't have people going to the orchestra concerts, you know, that's multifaceted. But a big part of it is because we're not using all of these wonderful activities and all of this music making to drive students and drive people to understand all that is going on in those places. We're not creating that musical fluency, we're not creating that independent lifelong musicianship. And so Kodai Inspired Teaching is this really beautiful way to lead students from the simple to the complex and to lead them from these simple songs and simple playing games to understanding and appreciating and just kind of needing to feel like they are a part of their musical culture. And so I really hope that this episode has kind of opened your eyes if you think or you thought that Code I Inspired Teaching was something different than what it truly is. And if you have any questions at all, I'm more than happy to talk to you about it. I'm more than happy to talk to you about training and what it looks like. Um, so please feel free to contact me at all. And I hope to see some of you at Oak. Thanks for listening to the Anacrusic Podcast. For more details and information from this episode, check out the show notes on anacrusic.com. While you're there, sign up to be an Cruzic Insider so you get all my inside tips, tricks, and resources made just for you. It only takes a second and you'll get instant access to my free resource library. Also, if you found this episode entertaining, exciting, or informative, don't forget to share with your music besties or leave a review on iTunes.